Hello and welcome to Cutting to the Vault in the Post-Truth Apocalypse. I'm Ben. As always, I'm hanging out with Mike. Hello. Claire. Hey. And Pete. Hello. This week we're going to talk about Project Azorian. Cold War Piracy. Dum dum dum. We'll so. get into that shortly. I love, a bit of, I love a bit of Cold War madness. Terrifying time to be alive. You know, always a threat of a nuclear holocaust. <laughs> but, crazy shit went on. Yeah, but for the, the average Joe, don't you think it was a bit boring? Because all this crazy shit was going on somewhere else. And unusually top secret too. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's the way people wanted it. It was a cold war, wasn't it? It wasn't a hot war. Oh, yeah, it couldn't be allowed to spark. The proxies, obviously, Vietnam and that. And I always thought it was called a cold war just because it was Russia and it's cold. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? When I was a kid, I used to think that too. Because of that, like, as a kid... I always, you hear about the Cold War mm. and, and it was Russia and that so I just assumed it was like because <laughs> Russia's cold snowy so every time even now as an adult 41 years <laughs> old I hear Cold War and I just see snowy Russia <laughs> it's just why I, it's just that weird link but yeah I used to think that too it's like, oh, it must, must be because Russia's cold well thanks some new and returning listeners and then we'll get into the meat and bones of it Edinburgh in the UK Chateau Thierry in France. Uh, bonjour. Flushing in New York, so you before. Phoenix, Arizona. Fernley, Nevada. Tel Aviv in Israel. Vax Joe in Sweden. Ishmael in the Ukraine. Keep firing, brother. Sydney, Australia. Ferndale, UK. Eblag in Poland. Portgaville, Missouri. Los Angeles, California. Bengaluru in India. Madrid in Spain. Ashburn, Virginia. Guadalajara. Flushing again. And then Boardman, Oregon. Thank you very much, everybody. Yeah. Tell your friends. Tell several friends. Make them add that, tap that subscribe button. Yeah, and you can follow us on Facebook at Cunt the Bull and the Post of the Apocalypse. Thank you to all our new subscribers, hopefully your listeners too. You are, we are Apocalypse Bull on YouTube and SoundCloud and most other podcasting platforms as Cunning for the Bull in the PTA. Right, Project Azorian. Imagine standing atop the Empire State Building with an eight-foot-wide grappling hook on a one-inch diameter steel rope. Okay? Who the fuck are you, the milk tray man? Yes. <laughs> I moonlight as him sometimes, usually around Christmas. That's an old reference, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you fucking Uncle Mike. Calm down. <laughs> I've seen, I've been, I have been sitting, sitting eating Werther's Originals recently. <laughs> What, the milk train, man? That's because it tracks a... No, I'm going to say it. <laughs> you could have said Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible and that would have... Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know. <laughs> the milk train, man. What did you do? You jumped to the milk train, man. When Tom Cruise hanging yeah. above the objective of Mission Impossible. That's been an advert on British Home for 20 years. <laughs> exactly. I mean, oh, the first Mission Impossible film is fucking old now. But that's not the point. It's the it's an iconic movie scene. Well, I went with the milk tray, man. <laughs> Fuck you all. Okay. <laughs> Probably so, a 30-year-old advert, to be fair. <laughs> oh, shit. Now, your task with this eight-foot-wide grappling hook on a one-inch diameter steel rope is to lower the hook to the street below, snag a compact car full of gold, and lift the car back to the top of the building. On top of that, the job has to be done without anyone noticing, and that essentially describes what the CIA did in Project Azorian. 
problem. A highly secret six-year effort to retrieve a sunken Soviet submarine from the Pacific Ocean floor during the Cold War. All they needed was someone like me that's really good at those grabber machines. That's all you needed. All right, well, I get, it's essentially that. It's yeah. playing a grabber machine. A mile or so underwater. Yeah. The story starts in 1968 when K-129, a Soviet Golf II-class submarine carrying three SSN-4 nuclear-armed ballistic missiles, sailed to the naval base at Petrovplotsk on Russia's Kamchatka Peninsula to take up its peacetime patrol station in the Pacific Ocean, northeast of Hawaii, pretty much smack in the middle of the Pacific. Soon after leaving port, the submarine and its entire crew were lost. Oh, fuck. Because that's Russian technology for yeah. you in the 1960s. It's been... Not improved that much. It's not improved that much, probably. 1968. These submarines were called fucking Widowmakers, for Christ's sake. <laughs> Is that a film? Yeah, it's not because... It was a film, yeah. And, and it's not because they used to blow up other ships. It's because themselves, they would normally die. Yeah, in radiation poisoning. Oh, just Jesus. In... Mechanical failures, re- reactor failures. What's the film? K one two. I think it has actually K one two nine Widowmaker, but it's not. It's yeah. K something Widowmaker. It's Harrison Ford in it. I've never seen it. I've heard of it. Yeah, there's been a couple. There's been a couple of nasty films involving subs, isn't there? Hunt for Red October. That's a good film. What's that one with Denzel Washington? That's good as well. Anyway. So the Soviets go out and look for it. They abandon their extensive search efforts. The US located the submarine about 1,800 miles northwest of Hawaii on the ocean floor, 16,500 feet below the surface of the ocean. Fair way down. Talking a few miles then. Because the Americans can realise what this is because they've got the Pacific Ocean dotted with underwater microphones. They basically heard a faint pop and realised at some point, and realised that was this Soviet sub, and as to triangulate the sound off three microphones, uh-huh. and give them a better location than the Soviets had. So how did they lose it in the first place? Just mechanical failure, you think, or...? Pretty much, yeah. Uh, reactive failure, probably. Recognising the immense value of the intelligence on Soviet strategic cap- capabilities that would be gained if the submarine were recovered, the CIA agreed such to lead a recovery effort with support from the Department of Defence. So like, we're going to steal it. This is a heist mm. movie. <laughs> we're doing a heist movie. The only thing that gets me about this, right, is the logic in it doesn't all add up. So my thoughts on that is, let's see what this super-duper advanced stuff the Soviets have got that's just sunk to the bottom of the ocean because it's shit. <laughs> what you're also looking for is code books. You want their crypto, you want their code books, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose. But and you can check out what you... If you get their nuclear missiles, you can look at, A, if they're better than yours. You can, B, learn to see how shit they are. Learn their weaknesses. Learn their weaknesses. Test fire them, see if you can bring them down with something. Are they, can they be brought down? Oh, I, I understand completely. Yeah. I was kind of making. I was, a bit, I, I was making a bit of a joke in all fairness. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that but it's true, though, isn't it? Yeah. There is a bit of a irony in that. It's like, ah, oh, let's go and check. We don't want you to see our awesome stuff. What your awesome stuff that's just fucking broke? <laughs> yeah. Well, then again, you could say that about the UFOs. Well, Retrieving yeah, it. yeah. Yeah, They've crashed. Right. Of course, you want to oh, know. Oh, that fucking good. 
Look at it, you fucking fell out of the sky. Shit, it's made it is. Made out of fucking paper and bamboo. Where are all these people from Yorkshire? <laughs> fucking Dave Dark Road could do a better job in his garage. Look, get off, get off, the, go whip it on the cloud on top of it. Get off. <laughs> get off, it's shit that is. Look at it, it's going to fall apart. Oh, dog's pissing up it. <laughs> it's right though, isn't it? Yeah. And still, I like it's it's you know they, as I was saying the list more than anything, but like you know you want to have a look at what they've got. Is your stuff better? Because you don't know, do you? No. As the CIA engineers faced a daunting task, lift the huge seventeen and a half seventeen sorry one thousand seven hundred fifty ton one hundred thirty-two foot long portion of the wrecked submarine from an ocean abyss more than three miles below in total secrecy. Because you can't let the Russians know what you're doing. No. no one can know what you're doing because this is piracy. You're breaking international law, are you? Mm. There's quite a few international laws, I'd mm. imagine. Because it's also, at this point, a grave, isn't it? It's not piracy. But it's find it, us fucking keepers. But isn't it, <laughs> isn't it in international waters, therefore, that basically yeah, does kind of come keepers, into play? Yeah, isn't it? It does, but it's still someone else's property. That they can still state claim to, I suppose. It's it's still technically Russian property, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's Russian military property. It's yeah. not like it was some geezer off their own their own back that's no longer got anyone left to leave it to or anything like that. I suppose like old pirate treasure or something. Yeah. You know this 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 wreck is property. It's got missiles on, which are property of the Soviet government. Yeah, yeah. So the CIA lied, and they said it was a explorer vessel for deep sea mining. Hmm. That was yeah. their excuse. That is their excuse. They build this capture vehicle. Now, a boat is built around that. We're looking at a picture, guys. It is like a big platform with big grabber hooks on it. Yeah. It's built into a ship. So that's basically designed to hold it when it's been lifted up. Yeah. You can go check this out on the online, listener. In 1970, after careful study, a team of CIA engineers and contractors determined... The only technically feasible approach was to use a large mechanical claw to grasp the hull and a heavy-duty hydraulic system mounted on the surface ship to lift it. The ship would be called the Hughes Glomar Explorer, ostensibly a commercial deep-sea mining vessel and built and owned by billionaire Howard Hughes, Uh. who provided the plausible cover story that his ship was conducting marine research and extreme ocean deaths and mining manganese nodules lying on the sea bottom. The ship would have to have the requisite stability and power to perform the task at hand. So the CIA called to Howard Hughes and say, look, who apparently had worked with them before on a couple of things. You know Howard Hughes, eccentric American billionaire? It rings a bell. The Aviator, the movie. It's a film. It's a good film, great film. Yeah. He's this eccentric American billionaire. He's tried to he's tried to build the world's biggest yeah, plane. Your name from The Simpsons, Burns sort of plays him, doesn't he? A version of him. Yes, he's kind of the Spruce Goose. Yeah. Get it? What to, I've built the world's largest airplane smithers. I call it the Spruce Goose. It'll fly from New York to Tokyo in three hours. And he's like, "Oh, what do we do, sir?" He goes, "All aboard the Spruce Goose." He's like, "But that's a model, sir." And he clicks the revolver and says, "Get in." <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that bit? He's growing his, all his nails long, his oh, hair. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bottles of pee. Mm. Ringing that, a bell. That bit's ringing a bell. 
can't quite remember the plain bit as such, but yeah. No. But either way, they go to Howard Hughes, this American billionaire, and say, look, we need to do this. We know you, you've worked with us before. We want a favour. We want to put your name on this. So it's a Hughes Glomar Explorer, and you come out and say, yeah, I'm going to start mining the ocean floor for manganese modules which are, and other minerals. No one's thought of it before. I'll be the first to do it. I don't know what the CIA offered him as a favour though, would you? I, the CIA owing you a favour no, must it, be fucking amazing. Yeah, it's the best probably thing in the world, isn't it? Probably them saying, don't worry, we won't uncover all the child abuse that you did in, well, in amongst. <laughs> that's a that's a dark turn to take. But just These billionaires in America, <laughs> you know. This is the 1960s, Pete, it was a more wholesome time. Uh, was it? No. <laughs> no. It's only a speculation. Could but be. Still, the CIA owing you a favour yeah, yeah. is the best thing in the world. It's got to be a good favour, isn't it? It has. So, constructed over the next four years, it takes four years to build this thing, the ship includes a derrick similar to an oil drilling rig, a pipe transfer crane, two tall docking legs, a huge claw-like capture vehicle, and a centre docking well called the Moon Pool. So the bottom of the ship just opens up James Bond James Bond style, style. <laughs> exactly James Bond villain style lift the sub up jobs are good and nobody knows where it is <laughs> yeah it's that Moonraker Moonraker that's the one classic it is good that one actually yeah one of the best that's my favourite that's Roger Moore isn't yeah. it yeah see that's the problem is he's that Moonraker's really good Roger Moore's really good isn't it man with the golden gun Roger Moore as well Is it him or Sean Connery? He's one, one of the two. He's one of the two. I'm trying to. Uh, I'm trying to look at that. It's Roger Moore. Picture. I, think, I yeah. think it is Roger. Moore. I think it's Roger Moore, and he's holding the gun, and he. And I hate Roger Moore as Bond. Oh, I can't use the best. He was too uh, fat. He was too fat and old. Roger Moore and fucking and Roger old Moore, Sean Connery. He was well fat at the end. He had a girdle for fuck's sake. <laughs> Roger Moore. It's just my era. It's just my era. Connor is the Connor is before my era. I don't know. I'm going to the old films. I'm going to say it, but Goldeneye, Pierce Brosnan, Pierce Brosnan made a really good fucking Bond. Let down by his films. There were some bad. Brosnan was let down by his films. Tomorrow never dies. Yeah, that was terrible. That wasn't Goldeneye was. Goldeneye was fantastic. Goldeneye was brilliant. But I know we're going off on a tangent, (laughs) but he had some terrible films. It was it was more like Bond was just all he spent all night thinking about puns to say when he killed people. He did make it, I thought he was a good Bond though. I didn't. I don't think he can knock Daniel Craig. I like the the return to the ruthless assassin Bond. Yeah. I didn't mind Timothy Dalton. He was no, alright. He, he did a good job. Yeah. Suave as fuck. Timothy Timothy Dalton yeah. was. Yeah, well, Timothy Dalton was fine. And that that's all he had for it though. He had the suave Bond, didn't he? Only English Bond, didn't he? Is Welsh. Oh, Welsh, Roddy Welsh Bond. <laughs> He was the Welsh one. Daniel Craig, he's English. Yeah, Daniel Craig's English, isn't he? So he's more. Sean Connery. Moore's English. Scottish, but Roger yeah, Moore is oh English. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Just, it just pisses me off that Moore, in my opinion, is the weakest. Well, Lazenby is the weakest, isn't he? Well, Lazenby is the weakest, second weakest. And he's in two of my favourite Bond films, it pisses me off. Pierce Brosnan a Yank, is he? No, he's Irish. Irish? Oh, he's Irish. I don't think he's ever had an American Bond. Nope. Yeah. Best Bond was Bob Olness. Bob Olness was Bond, of course, yeah. 
I like it with did the Bob radio Hoskins, version. Bob Hoskins did Bond. Did you imagine that? Bob Hoskins is Bond. Maybe <laughs> 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 I suppose it's relevant. It's spies. The name's Bond. James Bond. All right. You ever seen Kingsman? That's quite decent. That's they're technically Bonds. I've not seen it, but. I, I do. It's one of those ones that's always passed me by. But he's the one that played Boone. He would have made a good boy. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> you're so pissed. <laughs> joking. Big <laughs> gun. <got> him. <laughs> anyway, back to the submarines. To preserve the mission secrecy, the capture vehicle was built under under roof and loaded into the ship from a barge submerged underneath. That's pretty metal. Yep. With these special capabilities, the ship can conduct the entire recovery underwater, away from the view of other ships, aircraft, or spy satellites. This is the plan, isn't it? This is the plan. This but is this the is, plan. So, you know, but you get that, they've got to lift it up from under the sea, because they're going to be like, what the fuck's that? <laughs> Who? Who's everyone? Sat bang in the middle of the fucking Pacific, isn't it? No, this one they're building it at this point. Oh, okay, yeah. It's in the docks, there's all, you know, there's all spies, satellites, for example, you know. Mm. Again, yeah, we're talking early, late 60s. Not that amazing. Well, early Spy 70s balloons. at this point. It's 1968, it takes them six years to build this ship. How long it took them? Fucking hell. Big ship, though, I guess. Well, it's got to be, yeah. It's to be a big fucker, isn't it? Definitely not a rescue mission, then, is it? Fuck oh, <laughs> 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 me, one's still alive! <laughs> <laughs> but there's no one else, no other bodies on board the ship, and he's really fat. <laughs> 163 crewmen. <laughs> I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> they all went crazy. Very yellow eyes you have, sir. <laughs> so the heavy lift operation was complex and fraught with risk. While maintaining its position in the ocean currents, the ship had to lower the capture vehicle by adding 60-foot sections of supporting steel pipe one at a time. So at every 60 feet, another pipe onto the thing and goes down. Another 60 feet, another pipe onto it, interlocking. Yeah. Like, like you drain an oil well. Yeah. yeah. When it reached the submarine section, the capture vehicle then had to be positioned to straddle the sunken submarine section and its powerful jaws had to grab the hull. Then the ship had to raise the capture vehicle with a section in its clutches by reversing the lift process and removing supporting pipe sections one at a time until the submarine was securely stowed in the ship's docking well. And it's just one of them big giant grabby things. At the <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but, the, it, yeah. but it's pipe yeah. reinforcement. reinforcement pipe. If, they, if it grabbed it or not. Oh, I, I'm presuming I the, the weight puzzle, isn't it? The puzzle would go like ding ding ding, yeah. you win! You'd feel the weight of it, wouldn't you? Yeah, the whole ship just like well, the ship. sinks a little bit. <laughs> yeah. They've got the exact location and loads of photos. 20,000 photos. They sent a submarine called the USS Halibut, which wasn't a nuclear submarine. It was just like, it'd been converted, well, not a nuclear missile carrying submarine, it'd been converted to like an underwater spy submarine. And it sent down a little drone that took like 20,000 pictures of the wreck. So they knew exactly what it looked like. And then I presume you've got sonar guiding you down. You've probably got the US submarines somewhere about. The Soviet ships are watching them do this, by the way. They occasionally turn up. 
Hmm. And have a look at them as they say, what the fuck are they doing? Yeah, but just it's... mining for manganese. You well, can't... that's it because it's sorry, Claire, go on. You're not going to just lower, you know, lower it right on top of it, are you? There's going to be movement in all that, you know, in that... Why? You do get underwater currents. Weight. Then, but... Yeah, but yeah. the weight, yeah. the weight of these things, the reinforcement bars... It's going to weigh a ton, in it? Yeah. Well, fucking lots of tons. Lots and lots of tons. It's going to be a good couple hundred ton of gravity. Well, the submarine weighs seventeen hundred seventeen hundred and fifty tons submerged submerged. So how heavy? It's going to lift. So with twice buoy- that. Well, no, with, with the buoyancy within the water, it's going to be easier for it because it, it will. Things do become lighter in water, don't they? Yeah. So if it's seventeen hundred and fifty tons submerged, then you could probably halve the weight needed to lift kind of thing but then it still needs to support it as it pulls it out of the water yeah but you're talking hundreds of tons of metal to be able to hold that kind of weight that's it plus you a few miles down you've got pressure as well you're going to factor oh, that in pressure but that's not going to affect solid metal that's what no no but you'd be, put, you'd be pulling against it wouldn't yeah. you this grabbing machine malarkey you're going to have a, you know little swaying oh, the God, metal going, going the, down yeah. there. What's there's the lots of obstacles. Is? What's the chances of you just like, you know, just putting it straight down on top and just, you know, grabbing it? Well, that's what they did. Well, Great feat of engineering. Is this still the plan or has it gone to actual now? We're going to move into the plan now. Okay. Is that the ship, is it? That's the ship. The Hughes Glomar Explorer. Doesn't look very big. No, well, it's it's quite deep. Mm. It's got quite a deep, what do they call it? Bow. Bow. Sailing from Long Beach, California, the Glomar Explorer arrived over the recovery site on 4th of July, 1974. 4th of July, bitches. <laughs> it conducted salvage operations for more than two months under total secrecy, despite much of the time being monitored by a nearby Soviet ship. Curious about its mission. The crew encountered many problems, some serious, but quickly overcame them, and the lift proceeded according to plan. However, when the submarine section was about halfway up, it broke apart, hmm. and a portion plunged back to the ocean bottom. Okay. Crestfallen, the Glomar crew successfully hauled up the portion that remained in the capture vehicle. So they got, and they got the front section of it up. Hmm. The front third. Among the contents of the recovered section were the bodies of six Soviet submariners, sadly. They were given a formal military burial at sea, and in a gesture of goodwill, Director of Central Intelligence Robert Gates presented a film of the burial ceremony to Russian President Boris Yeltsin in 1992. So they gave the, the bodies they found, they gave them a military funeral, filmed it, and when the Soviet Union's fallen, and that submarine technically doesn't really belong to anybody, <laughs> They said, "Look, we 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 got the we did this. There you go. We gave your lads a, a good send off." Mm-hmm. Quite sad for the submariners. It is very sad. Mm-hmm. It's quite tragic for them. How many of them had families back home? Yeah, and yeah, things yeah. Like of that. course, absolutely. And yeah. Just... Oh, they never found out what happened to them either. But they weren't even told. Just missing in action. Yeah. Yeah. They wouldn't announce it. They'd lost a thing. Well, they can't announce it. Lost a sub. Remember because. Soviet technology is the best. Is that the ship in, in Soviet Russia? Is that the ship out of the water? The ship's dock. Yeah. Wow. 
That is quite a bow. It is, isn't it? It's very, very, very wide at the bottom mm. because obviously it's going to hold this submarine. Yeah, wow. That's pretty immense, that is. But almost immediately after the disappointing recovery effort, planning again for a, se again for a second mission to recover the lost portion. A bizarre and totally unforeseen occurrence, however, had already started a chain of events that was ultimately exposed the Glomar Explorer's true purpose and make another mission impossible. Not another one. They wanted to go back and get the other one, basically. I was joking, Mission Impossible. Oh, Mission Impossible one. 2 now. Yeah. We're yeah. getting 2, it's about 12 now, isn't it? Oh, they're good as well. They're up to. <laughs> to be fair. 73? Yeah. I know Tom Cruise is still doing his own fucking stunts at like 57 or something like that. <laughs> I think he's about to be older than that. He might be sixty now. It's like Mission, it's like Mission Impossible seventy three. Can we stop calling these Mission Impossible? Because I've done it like seventy two yeah, times. Clearly really. not impossible. Yeah. Mission, mission quite difficult, mate. Yeah. Call it. Yeah, mission plausible. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, in, in June nineteen seventy four, just before the Glomar set sail, thieves have broken into one of Howard Hughes's offices in Los Angeles and stolen secret documents, one tying Howard used the CIA and the Glomar Explorer. Desperate to recover this document, the CIA called in the FBI, which in turn enlisted the Los Angeles Police Department. The search drew attention, and by the autumn of 1974, the media began to pick up rumours of a sensational story. So, I love that this is proper investigative journalism. They're breaking into the offices of Howard Hughes and stealing documents. I admire that. <laughs> That's illegal. I know, but if you want to be a proper journalist... I don't think the journalists were doing it. I just think they happened to come across it. It's thieves and probably sold it to the journalists. If it was journalists doing it, <laughs> that's proper investigative journalism, that is. It's a spirit I want to see amongst our UFO investigative journalists. Mm. Gary McKinnon. Gary McKinnon, there you go. He had some spunk in him. <laughs> sure he did. <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah the press basically get hold of it and the New York Times agrees not to run it like, alright we won't we won't do it we'll sit on it and the Los Angeles Times says fuck you and releases it <laughs> director of Central Intelligence William E. Colby personally appealed to those who had learned about Azorian not to disclose the project and they did like I say and then the Los Angeles Times on the 7th of February 1975 published an account that made connections in the robbery, Hughes, the CIA and the recovery operation. After that, investigative reporter Jack Anderson broke the story on national television A certain Navy experts had told him that sunken submarine contained no real secrets and that the project was a waste of taxpayers' money. Journalists flooded into the Long Beach area where the Glomar was preparing for its second mission. But Gerald Ford in charge of the US at the minute, at this point and the Ford administration neither confirmed nor denied any of the stories in circulation, but by late June, the Soviets decided to ship to monitor and guard the recovery site. Mm -hmm. With Glomar's cover blown, the White House cancelled further recovery operations. What I love is, it's just like, uh, it's called the Glomar defence now, I can neither confirm nor deny that. You know, when someone asks, oh, Ah, yeah. You know, what, what typical, about this? Typical politician. I can either confirm or deny. That's called the Glomar defence. Uh, it's the first time it was used. Interesting. It's a bit of an. It's just a non-answer, though, isn't it? Of course, it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's that's the point, though, isn't it? Deflect, yeah. Deflector. 
Trump's a great deflector. To be fair, he's fantastic at it. Sounds like it could be a good movie title, that. The, the Deflector. Def- the Great Deflector. Mm, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> the Glomar's brief covert career was now over, and after some experimental ocean mining voyages sponsored by a consortium of industry leaders, it was mothballed for over a quarter of a century. I just want to point out, the cover story for this was so well publicised, by it being Howard Hughes behind it, that several countries started building their own ocean mining ships. Because uh-huh. they were so convinced, like, well, Howard Hughes is doing it. Yeah. We'll do it. Mm. He's, he's right, there's a, there's a mint to be made on the bottom of that ocean, if we can just get there mm. and suck it up. So, yeah, several countries started to build ships to copy him, to do it. I wonder if they find anything. I think they all, they all scrapped them ships and realised it was all a massive cover story. Lots of old players. have still been used today. Oh, the ship is itself. Yeah. Renamed the GSF Explorer, the ship is still being used for deep sea drilling and exploration. Sadly, what an ignoble end to a, 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 a cheaty ship. A spy ship. Hmm. Yeah. Although Project Azorian failed to meet its full intelligence objectives, the CIA considered the operation one of the greatest intelligence coups of the Cold War. Project Azorian remains an engineering marvel, advancing the state of the art in deep ocean mining and heavy lift technology. But the point is, they got three they got three nuclear torpedoes and a code book, apparently. Ah. So it was worth it then. It was well, worth was it. Was it? Well, it was worth it to see what they had that was. No better than anything that we've got, kind of thing. It's like, oh, they've only got this. Uh, Well, just think of the funding four years to build it and was it? Yeah, was it really worth it? Probably not. How many lives were lost making all all that happen? Well, there was hundred and odd submarine Soviet submariners. I don't think any lives were lost building the ship. You never know. Well, you don't. I don't know. To be fair, but I've seen them days. There's some money in the resources, isn't it? It's like. Yeah, the seventies of you. Yeah. Building your infrastructure. Seventies, building a big ship like that. There was a few deaths, guarantee it. Health and safety was shit. Yeah. I think there we can always all... a few deaths, big builds like that. I think we can all say though, it's cheeky as fuck though, isn't it? Mm. Oh god, yeah. Fucking I love brilliant. it. I love all this. I mean, at this point, the Cold War, money's no fucking object to these. The CIA is like, yeah, build a ship. But what gets Design me? and build a ship in six years, we're going to nick a Soviet submarine. <laughs> Another thought, though, as well, is that, again, if we thought, if like, the Americans or us, the, whoever, thought that the Soviets had anything particular worth to take, surely they should have thought, well, they can't even find their own fucking submarine. So, they're not that advanced. We found it. Within fucking... Because oh, they've got the, 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 the undersea microphones, haven't they? It doesn't matter, does it? They couldn't find it, but, mm. but we did. Yeah. So I suppose it's, it's, just, it's just a... You always want to know what your enemy's yeah, got, there, don't I you? Mean, yeah, I mean, it, just because you've got massive... Hey, can we relax for... Like, if we've got 20-year advance on these guys, yeah. Yeah. We, can, we can slow things down and take our time a bit more for five years, and we've still got a 15-year lead on these guys, provided nothing happens... You I just would. think it was all a waste of time. For, well, for lots was. of reasons like yeah. that, you'd have just thought, well, can't be that fucking good. Cause but you can understand why they wanted it. Yeah. 
Yeah, it also sends a bit of a message, doesn't it? Look what we can do. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it, yeah. It's a valid point, that, Claire. Look what we can do. The Soviets never raised us a complaint. That's the weird thing. Mm. It's sort of like passive-aggressive, isn't it? Mm-hmm. No, maybe it's just like, wow, well, we could have done that. It's a bit of a pissing contest almost, isn't it? Well, the old isn't Cold War was a pissing contest, wasn't it? war is, isn't it? Yeah, they all wanted to see if they could spell the name in the snow, didn't they? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it was in Russia. Because it's the Cold War. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, they've done it in Moscow at Christmas, like Rocky did. I love Rocky Four. It was certainly bold and audacious, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. I love it. I love. I mean, I love the fact that some boffins had to get together and think, hey, the fuck are we going to do this? And they did it. The human spirit. Prize grabber. <laughs> yeah. It's a giant prize grabber. Mm. <laughs> the thing is, Let's say that there is a fluke. Let's say them the submarines might be shit, but let's say their missiles are quite good. To win-win, then, isn't it? Yeah. You can nick their technology. Mm. It's a bonus. Well, that's Project Azorian. Have we got any fucked up facts? Yeah, can do. We'll have a theme tune, shall we? Facts, facts, fucked up facts, 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 fucked up facts. You didn't tell me how much is in the room. Alright Mike, here's just some knowledge. The ancient Greek philosopher Diogenes would masturbate in public. Sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting this Athens, yeah. He defended his action by saying, if only it were as easy to banish hunger by rubbing my belly. <laughs> so he was sexually frustrated then? Seems that way. So I'm going to rub my cock and feed everyone my jizz? Was that what he was saying? Uh, I think he's just saying, I'm really horny... But if I, you know, if if I could take away hunger by rubbing my belly, that'd be great. Instead of like standing there and wank. Mm. <laughs> I can take away my horniness by rubbing my cock. Shame I can't take away my hunger from rubbing my belly. Exactly, yeah. classic yeah. Greek philosophy. What a fucking awesome philosopher he was. <laughs> yeah, I never heard of him. Admittedly, bit of a wanker. Yeah. <laughs> that that's that's English slang for masturbation. If you're from any other country because I know America doesn't have the same meaning of wanker as we have. Right. What does it mean over there? I don't know, but it was on The Simpsons. Mm. Bart called someone a wanker and everyone yeah. was like outraged and it was like wanker's got a completely different meaning in America and it's not offensive based. Like, it's slightly offensive but not you got your cock oh. in your hand offensive. Couples that do unhealthy activities together lounging, eating junk food and smoking, report feeling closer than those who choose to do healthier activities. Of course you have a sat next to each other all day. <laughs> nah, if you, if you were like bike riding together, running together, mm. you'd think they'd feel just as good, wouldn't you? You're not talking, are you? <sighs> I suppose not. It's basically saying people that chill together. Yeah, people that chill together stay together. So it's kind of fucking obvious. In a way. Isn't it, really? Mm. Yeah, that's it. Ford uses a robotic bottom. To test seat. Yeah, it's able to sweat to simulate wear on car seats. It's called Robot. (laughs) Whose did they model it off? That's what I want to know. Can you get a job being an ass model? <laughs> well, you'd either want it to be Jessica Alba or 
Just gonna have a circuit Duke's a hazard, you're talking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, It'll just be an average size book. Which in America is gonna be quite big. No offence. Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, you do have an obesity problem. You'd want Jennifer Lopez. It'll be a fat, sweaty book. Oh, it would have to be. Oprah Winfrey. Roseanne Barr, isn't it? Oprah Winfrey. John Goodman. When he was when he was big. Yeah. It's not that big now. He's gone. No, he's not. Isn't he? And Oprah, she's. The days of fat US comedians are gone. Yeah. Even Roseanne's lost weight. A big John Candy butt. Big John Candy butt. (laughs) Yeah. In 1943, six-year-old Simeon Saxe-Coburg Goethe... Oh, yeah, yeah. He's a member of the Bradshaw family, is he? Must be related, same name. Became king of Bulgaria. Interesting. He went into exile at the age of nine when the monarchy was abolished. In 2001, age 64, he was elected prime minister of Bulgaria. Well, playing the long game, eh? Mm. I knew I'd get back into power one day! (laughs) Playing the long game... It sounded more like Churchill then, but... Just goes to show the elites always getting power in the end, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is like Napoleon, isn't it? Mm. You know? We won't have a king, I'll be emperor instead. I won't be king, I'll be prime minister instead. Apparently, ripping off a plaster really does hurt less than removing it slowly. I can believe it. Yeah. Not mm. the experience. Yeah. In 1922, Sir Alfred Butt... Huh. B-U-T-T. Did he start testing car seats? <laughs> <laughs> Did he give his ass to science? Or <laughs> no, he gave his ass to politics and was elected MP for tooting. <laughs> but, but for tooting? <laughs> Mayor of tooting, but. <laughs> Your fridge uses more power than most African families do. Sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they got a fridge. They yeah. normally don't have power. Uh, I saw Top Gear when they went from looking for the source of the Nile. All those guys had electricity. They all had fucking phones as well, like smartphones. There's always shit. a fridge, but someone's always got a Man United shirt on. It says most African families. Yeah. The ones that are not living in the cities. Yeah, right. But if they started using fridges and phones yeah, and yeah. recharging their cars and shit, fuck me. Might have energy consumption. But he has a building entire infrastructure from to charge cars. Well, you'd think they'd go more solar power in Africa, wouldn't it? You'd think that. Well, if we just stuck enough solar powers in the Sahara and all chipped in a bit, we could fucking run the world, couldn't we? It'd like it. It'd, it'd, it'd be in charge of the upkeep of the solar panels. They want to chip in for it, depending on usage. Would you like make little oasises in the middle so they could? Sort them out, that kind of thing. I guess you just have a team that went around and did shit. There are several teams that live in the middle of the Sahara just in, desert. In well, the they'd have to Yeah, you have to have bases up on here. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, bases. That are all well powered. Fantastically powered. Hot <laughs> as fuck, I'd imagine, <laughs> though. Nice swimming pool, like Pl- yours. Plenty of power for lots of air conditioning units. Yeah. Does the guy downstairs always move his furniture around on a Saturday night? Must do. It's like, it's exactly that. Let's move my fucking living room round. Feng Shui, mate. It changes, doesn't it? Is <laughs> it always drilling as well? Yeah, some, someone is, one of the neighbours is drilling this to the faint home. That's oh, not us. I wonder if his name's Jeffrey. We can't do nothing about that, I'm afraid. Surname Dharma. 
And any funny smells coming up through your floorboards? A study... No, no more than there is already in yeah. here. <laughs> a study of sexual libidos found women who slept for an hour extra were 14% more likely to want to have sex the next day. Oh, I wish I'd have known that when I was married. <laughs> <laughs> Left were lying all the time. I'd have been given a sleeping pill. <laughs> Make sure you have a good sleep now, darling. Wake up in the morning yeah. nice and fresh. Just put this rag over your mouth and nose, okay? <laughs> Might smell a bit funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's date rape. Not when you're married. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, is it? But it's a form of it. Make sure you sleep well. Oh, he's gonna knock you out. <laughs> there we go. I'm gonna make sure you wake up horny. Now <laughs> <laughs> nah, she's still consenting, isn't it? It's not. She's just you're just manipulating her, her horniness. Manipulating consent is still consent. <laughs> no comment. Right, let's go. <laughs> Bed bugs predate beds by at least 115 million years. So are they just called bugs then? <laughs> I mean, are we talking? We're talking the class, the bed that we think of now as a bed. Yeah. But back in the day, a bed was like some straw or some hay or some bracken. Well, it was I assume they they fed off the blood of animals, didn't they? They must have done. Yeah. Humans went about. Even humans are making dinosaurs. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, they went about, were we? Yeah, they must have fed off <laughs> the blood of dinosaurs. Went about, no. They should be called raptor bugs. <laughs> Quite possibly. Goddamn raptor bugs. Vampire bugs, I think. The British hydrogen-filled airship R101. The one that crashed. It had a smoking room. Does not surprise me. It did crash and burn quite horribly. <laughs> Iron Maiden wrote like a 13-minute song about it. It's called something like Emperor of the Clothes. It's fucking fantastic. Hmm. It's got a piano in it. I never thought I'd hear a piano in an Iron Maiden song. Empire of the Clouds. That's it, Empire of the Clouds. Fucking amazing song. A recent study, and we'll finish on this one, about the aesthetic preferences of men and women with regards to the scrotum. Right, so we're talking about the cock. No, talking about the balls, the ball bag. Has found that it was barely possible to identify a beautiful scrotum. (laughs) Barely possible? I want to see this beautiful scrotum. <laughs> Basically, there's no such thing as a beautiful scrotum. No, instead we must speak of the least ugly. Yeah. Oh, man, so whatever anyone says, men, your balls are ugly. Of course they are. Well, on that bombshell. <laughs> I've been Ben. Thanks for listening. Don't do the favour. Don't try to call. I've been Mike. Thanks for listening. Peace out. May the force be with you. I've been her, keep an open mind, but not so open that it spills out your ears. I've been Pete, everyone have a nice week, take care.